will tell you, if you came into this place, if you came into this fellowship family with chains on, I pray that those chains have already started falling. If if they haven't fallen yet, I hope you can hear the keys ringling and jingling because Jesus Christ came to set you free. Amen? That's what I believe this morning. You know, the Holy Spirit has been moving powerfully um, in our church and in our lives over these past few weeks. Recently, our women's ministry uh, had a retreat weekend and we saw chains fall. Uh, We saw lives changed. Our, Our men's ministry had a retreat weekend, and again, we saw some chains broken. We saw some chains fall, some lives changed. And I'm going to tell you something, our, our students this weekend, uh, they experienced God. They experienced the Spirit moving in their hearts and in their minds. I love Disciple Now. I love the Disciple Now experience, especially when churches come together. And that's what happened with our students and with Mangum this weekend. And I know that the Lord spoke to them clearly I really believe that. Not only did chains fall, I believe they got rid of filters. Filters. See, I believe they've been looking through these filters and they've been thinking that they see things clearly. But I'm going to tell you something. When you got filters in front of you, you can't see things clearly. You're seeing a false, a false truth. And so this morning, I want us to look at what is truth. As a matter of fact, a long, long time ago, a very powerful man named Pilate, He asked Jesus that simple question, what is truth? What is truth? How would you answer that today? If I were to ask you what is truth, how would you answer that? You know, sometimes it's it's easy to know what is false. Sometimes it's real easy. I remember one time I was with my dad and we were... We were over in Canton, Texas, and I know a lot of you like to go to Canton to the, to the trade day weekend and all the arts and crafts, and we went into this, this little booth, and they had all of these polished rocks. They had all of these gemstones, and they were pretty and shiny and sparkling, but my eye caught the attention, or uh, something caught my attention, and it was this thing called fool's gold. And I mean, I, I thought, man, that, that's awesome. I want that, Daddy, and I asked him. I asked him, why is, it, why is it called fool's gold? He said, son, because only a fool would believe that that's gold. That's kind of how he told me, you know. And, and I still didn't quite get it until he showed me, right? He showed me the difference between real gold and fool's gold. And I'm going to tell you, it was very clear to me. And I believe that. I believe if we want to know what is false, then we have to know what is true. Think about that for just a moment. If we want to know what is false, then we have to know what is true. If you were a child and you never grew up seeing real money, right? You you never saw a real dollar bill or you never held a a real quarter in your hand, but you grew up playing Monopoly, guess what you would think about that Monopoly money? You would think it's real. Why would you think it was real? Because you never saw what real money was. You never touched it. You never felt it. And so if you want to know what is false, you've got to know what is true. I love what Jesus says in John chapter 8. We're going to start in John chapter 8, but we're going to be in Luke chapter 7. So if you want to go ahead and find your places, you can. Let me share with you John chapter 8 first before we dig in to Luke chapter 7. In John chapter 8, listen to this, verses 31 and 32. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching." You are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will do what? Set you free. 
If you hold to my teaching, what does that mean? In other words, if you follow my teaching, if you obey my teaching, if you live by my teaching, then you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Listen, Jesus wasn't talking just about a few words. He was talking about himself. Jesus is the truth. That's what he was saying to the Jews who believed him. Jesus is the truth. Living the way God created us to live is not about trusting a religious system. That's what the Pharisees didn't understand. It's not about trusting a religious system. It's about trusting a Savior, the Savior, and His name is Jesus. Jesus goes on in John chapter 8, verse 36, and He says this, If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So when Jesus says the truth will set you free, what he's saying is, I will set you free. The Son will set you free, and you will really be free. And so Jesus is the Word become flesh. Jesus is the truth. He is God in flesh. And so what I want us to do this morning is I want us to look at God's Word, and I want us to see what it means to live life without filters, with no filters. I want us to see what it looks like to live life unhindered, unbound, living freely. That's what I want us to do. Now, we've been in the book of Mark, and we're going to take a little mini break, but I'm going to tell you something. What we see in Luke, we'll also see in Mark, and we'll see it over and over again. As a matter of fact, I've been talking about the disciples and the Pharisees. If I had to use a word to describe the disciples, that word might be humble. They humbled themselves. They obeyed Jesus. They followed him. What's a word I might use to describe the Pharisees? What's the opposite of humble? Arrogant. Pride. Yeah, we can use a lot of words. And so if I was to use some words to describe the Pharisees, I would say prideful. Very arrogant, right? Self-righteous is maybe a word to use. And notice I don't have any rocks in my hands, right? I'm not casting stones here. Because truth be told, many, many times... What I'm seeing in our world is that we act a whole lot more like the Pharisees. Prideful, arrogant, self-righteous than we do the disciples, humble, obedient, and loving. And so today we're going to see another comparison. We're going to see a woman, humble, and we're going to see a Pharisee, prideful. Living with filters or living without filters. Living bound or living unbound. Living hindered to something or living unhindered. That's what we're going to see today. Luke chapter 7, I want to begin in verse 36. The Bible says this, When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. 
So again, just like we've seen in Mark, what we see in Luke is we see two people. We see a woman, and we see a Pharisee, and we see Jesus at the center. So let's talk about this woman. First of all, this woman, it's very clear, she sees Jesus as Savior. And because she sees Jesus as Savior, she is led to worship Him. Because she is experiencing God's grace, she knows Jesus, and she knows God more and more. And because she can see Jesus clearly, and because she has seen Jesus and knows Jesus as her Savior, she can also see herself clearly. In other words, she can know who she is now because she knows who Jesus is. This is so important. I believe this. I believe she walked into that house knowing that she was a sinner. She knew who she was. She knew what she had done. She knew what she was doing. And she knew she needed a Savior. So when she found out Jesus was coming, she was ready. Do you notice that she brought an alabaster jar of perfume with her? Did you see that? That means she was prepared. She had heard Jesus was coming. She had heard all about this Jesus. And she had already been stirred by the Spirit. And she was ready, ready to meet Jesus. The Pharisee, on the other hand, he may have looked ready. right? He may have looked ready, but the Pharisee doesn't see Jesus as Savior. And because he doesn't see Jesus as Savior, it leads him to question Jesus. Do you see the difference between the woman and the Pharisee? The woman was there ready to worship Jesus. The Pharisee was not. It's because the woman saw Jesus clearly with no filter. And because she had no filter and she saw Jesus and accepted Jesus, she could see herself and know what she needed. The Pharisee, on the other hand, oh, he had filters on. He had a lot of them on. And because of those filters, he couldn't see Jesus correctly. He couldn't see Jesus clearly. And so instead of worshiping Jesus, he questioned Jesus. I'm going to tell you something. Because he couldn't see Jesus clearly, he couldn't see himself clearly either. The Pharisee didn't even know, right, what he needed the most. He was blind to it. And because he couldn't see himself clearly, guess what? He couldn't see others clearly either. He couldn't see others clearly. He didn't recognize his own need for a Savior So why would he recognize someone else's need for a Savior? This woman, in my opinion, is an example of what it looks like to live with no filter. You say, Brother Jeff, what does that mean? A a woman who lived an example of, of no filter. Well, let me just tell you this. She was unhindered because of her humility. She was unhindered because of her humility. Listen, the Bible tells us, and and most theologians agree, In this passage of Scripture, it says a sinful life. Well, in the Greek language, that is rendered the life of a prostitute. This woman, right, had lived a life of sin. In other words, it was habitual. It was something she chose to do. And so she could have very clearly and very easily hid from it, right? She could have kept herself away from the light. But what do we see in this passage of Scripture? She was coming to the light. She was coming to the life. She was coming to the truth. And so she wasn't bound by her sin. She wasn't hindered by it. She humbled herself 
And I'm going to tell you, this is what it looks like to live unhindered. This is what it looks like to live without filters. She was fully aware of her sin, but she was also fully aware of who could save her from it. His name is Jesus. And so can you imagine this? A a woman who is known for her sin, right? Busting up into the Pharisee's house. Think about that for just a minute. Busting up into the Pharisee's house. And immediately comes to Jesus. And notice in this passage of Scripture that she was behind Jesus. Maybe she didn't feel worthy enough to be in front of Jesus. She was behind Jesus. And it said she got down. And she was at his feet behind him. Crying. Weeping. Why do you think she was weeping? You tell me. Why was she weeping? Maybe it was because of the brokenness. Maybe it was because of the sin. Maybe it was because she knew that this man was the one who would pay the price for her sin. Broken, weeping. I'm going to tell you what this woman is. She's a vessel of grace. That's what she is. She's a vessel of grace. How do I know that? Because she serves. See, when you have received grace, you become a vessel of grace. And you can know that if you've received grace and are a vessel of grace, because you will serve. And that's what she's doing. Because of the grace that God has shown her, she wants to love and to honor Jesus with all she's got. Do you know how much theologians say that alabaster jar of perfume would have cost this woman? It would have been over a year's worth of wages. Think about that for a moment. She held nothing back. She gave all that she had. How could she do that? I'll tell you how. She was unhindered. She lived life with no filters. She could see clearly who she was because she saw Jesus for who He was. He was Savior. The Pharisee, on the other hand, let me tell you about him. He is an example of what it looks like to live with filters. You might say, well, Brother Jeff, what do you mean, filters? What filters would he have had? Well, let's look at it. Maybe his pretty house was a filter. Maybe all this education, because he was a learned man, an educated man. Maybe knowledge was a filter. Maybe, maybe, maybe attitude, right, was a filter. I believe he had a lot of filters. And I'm going to tell you, because of his filters, he's hindered. See, he's hindered because of his pride. He was hindered because of his pride. He is so puffed up because of his knowledge, because of his training, because of the laws, the ceremonies, the traditions, all of these things, right? Listen to me. These things in and of themselves are not bad. They are not evil. But when you become an idol, right? When they become an idol in your life, when you become, when you become this person that is filled with knowledge and filled with training and filled with ceremony and pomp and circumstance, you begin to worship those things. And that's exactly what happened with the Pharisee. They become filters in his life. He was viewing everything, right, from the eyes of knowledge and tradition and ceremony. And because of that, he couldn't see the Savior standing right in front of him. He couldn't see the Savior that he invited into his house. You know what he was filled up with? He was filled up with pride. He wanted Jesus to come in and say, man, you got a nice house. Man, you got a nice table. Man, look at that table full of food. Man, look at those clothes you got on. Look at those tassels hanging around your neck. It was all about himself. And because it was all about himself, he was unaware 
of himself. He was unaware of his sin. He was unaware of the debt that he owed because of his sin, completely opposite of the woman. See, this man was not a vessel of grace. You want to know how I know he was not a vessel of grace? Because he judges. Think about that for just a moment. If you ever want to ask yourself, am I a vessel of grace or not? All you got to do is ask yourself this. Do I find myself serving others or do I find myself judging others more? You'll find out if you're truly a vessel of grace or not. He's not a vessel of grace because he's judging. Instead of grace, he's pouring out condemnation. Not just on the woman. You might say, oh, he's, man, he's nailing this woman. No, uh-uh. Look at it again. Who is he questioning? He's not questioning the woman. He's questioning Jesus. Don't miss that. All right? He, he's questioning Jesus. We, we see that this man thinks that Jesus is a good teacher. Maybe even a prophet. You say, Brother Jeff, what do you mean by that? Well, we see that his thoughts show us that if he were a prophet, right? So he might have been thinking this is a good moral teacher, this is a good man, uh, this, this is a man that's trying to teach about God, maybe he's a prophet, but if he were a prophet, and so now he's starting to think, if he were a prophet, then he would know that the woman touching him is unclean, and therefore he has now become unclean. You know what that is? That's the law. Think about it. That's the law. That's what he had been taught. That's what he had been trained in. The law, the Torah. If someone who is ceremonial unclean touches the priest or the prophet, that priest or that prophet becomes unclean. That was tradition. Now tell me this Pharisee wasn't looking through some filters because, man, he had them on. He was filtering everything through his tradition, his ceremony, his knowledge. And so in his own mind and in his own heart and under his own breath, he judges both the woman and Jesus. There's so much going on in this passage of Scripture, and I've only read three verses. So how does Jesus respond? Because, you know, as we've seen in the book of Mark and as we see in the book of Luke, Jesus is going to respond. Why? Because Jesus said, I came to preach. That's what Jesus said. We've already made that very clear in the book of Mark. Jesus said, I came to preach. Preach what? The truth. The gospel. The good news. And so Jesus knows what's going on. He's fully aware of who this woman is. He's fully aware of who this Pharisee is. And I'm going to tell you something. Jesus loves them both. Don't miss this. Jesus loves them both. He preaches truth to both of them. Listen to this. Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 40. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. And what is he going to do? He's going to use a parable. Because <laughs> Jesus teaches in parables. Verse 41. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. Why do you think he said two? Because there's two people he's dealing with in that room. He said two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. Notice that. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them 
will love him more. Simon replied, and look, his first two words tell you a lot about his, his knowledge. <laughs> he said, I suppose. Does that seem like steady ground to you? I suppose. No, he didn't say, I know. He said, I suppose. Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman. So so try to picture this in your mind. He turned toward the woman, but guess who he's still talking to? Simon, the Pharisee. Because it's very obvious by her actions who has already received the truth. Amen? Who is still questioning and maybe thinking about it? The Pharisee. So he turned, it says he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Why do you think Jesus said this? Because guess what tradition was? Here we go. Guess what tradition was? Tradition was when you had a guest come into your house because they came off the street, what was the first thing that should have been done? Their feet should have been washed. That was a courtesy. That was an act of saying, I welcome you. I'm glad you're here. You are honored in this house. You see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head. Guess what tradition was? You put oil on the head. Again, a sign of honor. Therefore, right, you did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins. Do you see that? He says her many sins. So immediately, who is Jesus identifying her with in his parable? Say it again. The one with the great debt. The one with the greater debt. He said, I love this. He said, therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. Because, right, her sin has been forgiven, she couldn't help but show it. A vessel of forgiveness, a vessel of grace. Look at his next words. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves Then Jesus said to her, now, he he said what he wanted to say to Simon. Now, now he turns to her and he says, your sins are forgiven. Oh, that's so good. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Because guess what the Pharisees knew? Who could forgive sins? Who was the only one who could forgive sins? God. So do you understand their question? It wasn't like, who is this? Curiosity. It's like, who is this? Who would dare say such a thing? That's the attitude of their hearts. Who is this who even forgives sin? And Jesus in verse 50 said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. What what an incredible 
passage of Scripture. And again, I want us to see here, obviously Jesus is at the center of this. This story is all about Jesus. It's all about who He is, what He has done, what He is doing, and what He will do. It's all about Jesus, but as He's in the center, the light is shining upon two individuals, a woman and a Pharisee. And here's what I love. This woman shows us that she has invited Jesus into her heart. She has invited Jesus into her heart. You say, Brother Jeff, what do you mean by that? I'm going to tell you, when you invite Jesus into your heart, it changes the way you see. It changes the way you touch. It changes you. It changes the way that you live, and it changes you so that you can not just be loved, but be love. Do you hear me? It changes you not so that you can just be loved by the Savior, but so that you can love in return the Savior and anyone and everyone else you come in contact with. I'm going to tell you, this woman, she shows us that she invited Jesus into her heart. You want to know why? Because all she wants is forgiveness. That's all she wants. That's all she cares about. That's all she cares about is being forgiven and being set free to be who God created her to be. The Pharisee, on the other hand, he shows us that he only invited Jesus into his house. What a shame. He only invited Jesus into his house. It had nothing to do with his heart. He invited Jesus into his house. It wasn't even about Jesus. It was about himself. It was about being impressive. It was about his education. It was about his knowledge. I'm going to tell you something. He didn't invite Jesus into his house because he wanted to worship a Savior. He invited Jesus into his house because he wanted answers. That's all the Pharisees have shown us. In the whole book of Mark, we've gotten through three chapters, and all the Pharisees are about is answers. We want answers. Who, who can say these things? Who would say these things? We already know what they've done in the book of Mark. They've already labeled him what? A blasphemer. They've, they've already said this man is demonized. That's what they said. Again, not being vessels of grace. And because they're not being vessels of grace, guess what they're doing? They're judging. It's all about judgment and condemnation. So what does Jesus do? I'll tell you what he does. He exposes the sin debt that everyone owes. Did you see it? He said... Two debtors were in that room. One owed a lot, and one owed a little, but guess what? Neither one of them could pay it. Don't miss that, right? One owed a lot, 500 denarii. Another one only owed 50. But don't miss this. Neither one could pay it. They were both guilty. They both had a debt. And what did the collector say? The debt is paid to both of them. And so Jesus, what he shows us here is that he exposes the sin debt that everyone owes. But don't you love this? Because he points to the grace of God. He points to God's grace. He said it's all about the one who is collecting. And the one who is collecting says, you're good. You don't owe me anything. You're good. You don't owe me anything. 
It's all about the grace of God. I love Dr. Tony Evans. Dr. Tony Evans says this in his commentary. He says, Jesus' question implies that there is a direct correlation in this story between the amount of debt canceled and the resulting love that is shown. A direct correlation between forgiveness and gratitude. The woman realized she was a great sinner who had been forgiven of much. Simon saw little in his life that he needed to be forgiven of. He assumed he had it all together. And as a result, he felt no need for the grace of God that Jesus offered. I don't want you to miss this. Because a lot of times, when we talk about the Pharisees and we talk about Jesus, what we think is is that Jesus just came to cut their feet out from under them and send them to hell. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus loved the Pharisee just as much as he loved the woman. And I thank God for that. Because more times than not in my life, I've been the Pharisee. So thank you, God, for loving the Pharisee too. For shining light and truth into the life of the Pharisee. See, what I believe in this passage of Scripture is that Jesus gives everyone, everyone the opportunity to embrace truth, to receive it. To to be forgiven. Listen to me. He can and he will forgive our sins through repentance and faith. Simon's response to Jesus' parable and his question is very simple. He said, I suppose. Let me tell you. He already had his mind made up. He already had his mind made up about Jesus. And because he had that filter of knowledge and education and position, and power, and status, all of these filters, he doesn't see Jesus. And because he doesn't see Jesus, he doesn't see his own sin and his own great need of a Savior. Sad. Even the other guests, right? Right there at the tail end of this passage. Even the other guests who were likely what? Pharisees. Likely that's who it was. They respond, right? They respond to Jesus with a question. Who is this? Who is this that would forgive sins? That would even forgive sins? But don't miss the words. Because Jesus was talking to Simon, but when Simon made his mind up, when Simon made his mind up, when the other Pharisees made their mind up, Jesus turns to the woman. Do you notice that? He turns to the one who has embraced him, and this is what he says, your sins are forgiven. Your faith, don't miss that, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let me ask you a question. Do you think maybe that woman walked into that house carrying some heavy chains? I do. I think she she walked into that house and she could hear the chains rattling, right? She could hear the chains clanking and clinking. But boy, when she got to the feet of Jesus, she knew who the key was. The key was Jesus. And she embraced him. And you know what he did? He broke those chains. He set her free from those chains. You want to know how I know? Because that woman walked out in peace. 
I'm going to tell you, when you walk out in peace, there ain't nothing holding you back. Nothing. You are unhindered. Unhindered. You are set free to live life the way God created you to live. Listen, the Greek word for faith, when Jesus says your faith, right, has saved you, did you know that the Greek word for faith is actually our words for believe? It's the verb form, which means participation. In other words, Jesus said, because you are participating, because you have said yes, because you are embracing me, receiving me, you are saved. You have been forgiven. For her, it wasn't just what Jesus had to offer. It was Jesus himself. That's what she wanted. She just wanted Jesus. I wonder today, right? I wonder how many of us walked into this building, walked into this place, and we were aware of the chains, aware of the chains that bound us, the chains that were weighing us down. I wonder how many of us walked in this room and were unaware of the chains that we got. Because I'm going to tell you, the Pharisees in that house, they had chains too. But see, maybe they had on way too many clothes and way too many tassels. Right? Maybe they, they, maybe they prettied it up because they were more worried about what others saw rather than what God sees. I want to ask you a question this morning. A couple of questions, actually. How have you responded to Jesus? How have you responded to Jesus? Let, let, me, let me ask you in a, in a simpler way. Are you more like the woman? Or are you more like the Pharisee? Have you responded to Jesus like this woman responded to Jesus in your life? Or have you responded to Jesus more like the Pharisee responded? Do you have filters, right? Do you have filters on? So maybe you just can't see Jesus for who he really is. He is God in flesh. He is Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through him. It's not, it's not church that saves you. It's not tithing that saves you. It's not plugging into this small group or that small group that saves you. Let me tell you something. It's only Jesus who saves you. Nothing else and no one else. Is church bad? Are small groups bad? Is tithing bad? Absolutely not. But if you're trying to make those things do something they weren't created to do, then yes, they are bad. They are idols. How have we responded to Jesus? More like the woman? Or more like the Pharisee? Let me ask you this question. Are you a vessel of grace in your home, in your workplace, in the church? Or are you a vessel of judgment? If someone were to walk in this room and they didn't look like you, talk like you, smell like you, if you were to put your eyes on them, what's the first thought that comes to your mind? What's wrong? What's right? We 
when you walk in the, when you walk into the restaurant, when you walk into the mall, when you walk into the school, and the light shines and you see a person clearly for who they are, do you see them as someone made in the image of God? Someone that Jesus said, I love you? Or do you immediately say, how could he? How could she? Vessel of grace or a vessel of judgment? What I see in this passage is that we all have a choice today. Everybody in that house, every Pharisee, the woman, any, any disciple that was in there, we all have a choice today. Either we will receive Jesus, we will faith Jesus, we will believe Jesus, or we will reject Him. What's sad is, I don't know the full context of this story. I don't know, you know, it ends right there. We don't know any more verses, but I do know this. There was one person that walked out of that room with the peace of God, and it was the woman. I do know that much. If I had to make assumptions, and I'm careful to do that, if I had to kind of come up with my own context here, what's sad is she and Jesus and the disciples might have been the only ones to walk out of that room with the peace of God. And it didn't have to be that way. I'm going to tell you something. I don't know how many people are here today. But I do know this. Every single one of us, we've got to do something with Jesus. We've got to do something with Jesus. I'm praying we already have. I'm praying He's your Savior. He's your Messiah. He's your Christ. But I do know this. We're going to walk out of this building, and it'll be just like that house. How you respond to Jesus will make the difference in your life. You can walk out of here with peace. You can walk out of here unhindered. You can walk out of here free of the filters, and you can see God clearly. You can see Jesus clearly. You can see yourself clearly. You can see others clearly, and you can be a vessel of grace. You want to know why? Because Jesus has the victory. Jesus is the victory. Or you can walk out of this building the same way you walked in, maybe even heavier. Maybe you can start hearing the chains rattle, but you don't like the sound of it, so you'll do anything and everything you can do to keep them from rattling. You'll cover them up. You'll try to balance it out. Why? To to make other people think you're something you're not. I'm going to tell you something. That's not peace. That's not peace. There's no joy in that. I promise you. I've tried. No peace and no joy will be found in that, ever. But the devil wants you to believe that. What we do with Jesus makes all the difference. What we do with Jesus makes all the difference in our own lives, in eternity for us, but it also makes all the difference in how we see and how we speak and how we love others. I'm going to tell you what we need to be, church. We need to be Jesus to the world. We need to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We need to be the eyes of Jesus. We need to be the mouthpiece of Jesus. We need to be Jesus to the world. Is that the truth of his gospel? Is that the truth of the word? I think it is. If you can find any scripture that says otherwise, let me know. Because I don't see any scripture in there that says we should be anything else to the world we live in. We are to be the what of the world? The light of the world. Not so that we can judge or condemn, but so that we can what? Love. 
love. Jesus, when the, when the teachers came to him and the good teacher, this, this, this student came to him and said, ah, tell me the greatest commandment. What did Jesus tell him? What, what was the word that started with it? Love. Love who? Love God. And then he said the second is just like it. Love what? Your neighbor. That's what the Bible says. So church, let's be love. Let's be love. Let's be love to the world that we live in. But in order to do that, we have to come to Jesus. And we have to embrace Him. We have to receive Him. Which means we have to humble ourselves. We have to repent of our sin. And we have to faith Jesus. We have to believe. That's when we'll become vessels of grace rather than vessels of judgment. I don't know about you, but that's the way I want to live. That's the way God created me to live. Doing anything else is not living. That's living. I pray today that you will live unhindered. I pray today whatever filters you brought in this place, you'll leave those filters at the, at the foot of the cross, at the altar. Walk out of here unhindered. Walk out, walk out of here in truth. And truth has a name. His name is Jesus.